Hello everyone, I am Sachin Agrawal. I am co-founder and CEO at Bazongo. एक मिनट रुक जाओ रेडी होने दो चलो ये कर लेते हैं ंग Bizongo helps companies to buy custom manufactured products through an online platform with complete visibility and dependability. The Bizongo platform solves for problems of both the buyer and seller, thereby enabling smoother trade and helping grow India's GDP. Sachin Agarwal, the founder of Bizongo, is an IITian with a passion for problem solving, and this conversation is really a masterclass on solving problems in the manufacturing space, shifting consumer behavior, and building with first principles. Listen on. As Sachin tells Akshay that about how it all began. So our idea was to build an equivalent of a let's say an Amazon in the B two B space, which is more of a full stack solution where you can make sure that you are managing the entire process on a cloud platform and the goods get delivered to your doorstep eventually through that service. So that's what we had imagined, and we started building around that only. and that's when our true struggle struggles and learning started building in terms of how to so i have a, like a question here before we come to the struggles amazon and flipkart work because they are aggregating demand it is not possible for one business to go out and acquire millions of customers so amazon is acquiring customers in bulk and therefore it adds value but that is not the case here right it's not like these small vendors will have millions of customers each vendor will have maybe 5 to 15 20 regular customers from whom they will get business so is there really a, a space for building an amazon for this kind of a contract manufacturing sector so i think in the true essence that you spoke about we later on found later on found out that there is no no such space but when i mentioned amazon it was more from a, a perspective of having a full stack solution now what that full stack solution will do and what value it will add uh, we figured it out much later and that's why those struggles in the initial few years in terms of probably uh, finding the product market fit so yeah i think we started building it and what we saw in the ecosystem that there are many businesses and enterprises who are continuously looking to buy packaging products so we started with packaging as a category packaging in india is a is an 80 billion dollar industry very few people know it's the fifth largest industry in india and any product that you come across today there is some packaging that is associated with it we thought of packaging as a dark horse in terms of the entire industry business landscape and it actually turned out to be that way whoever customer we went to in terms of understanding how they were 
managing their packaging sourcing packaging supply chain there were hardly any mention of any digital tool or any anything technology remotely associated with those processes and how they were managing it so we were like our eyes were lit and we were like yeah we have found the right space and we'll just disrupt it and we started getting requirements from the customers started building a full stack fulfillment solution where we were keeping the inventory so we used to learn from the business or enterprise that what packaging you are buying we will find best supplier for you we will source from those suppliers we'll keep the inventory and we'll supply you just in time within one one day two day three day or in some cases six hours 12 hours and we started building for that that i mean in the essence that you also mentioned that a powerhouse which is driven with fast fulfillment tags and servicing customers and bringing customer delight with that service and we could just disrupt the industry but only to realize later on that probably that's not how this industry must be disrupted and inventory led model fulfillment model which thrives on the promise of delivering fast quick and in a great tags is not something that the customers were really looking for and uh, we understood that it needs to be approached in a much more asset light operating model where the true power of technology and digital tools come at the fore of uh, bringing the change in the ecosystem fixing the broken supply chains fixing the the customer supplier interactions currently all of that was manual ad hoc and we were coming as a layer in between that broken supply chain to make it even more broken from that sense and that's why that piece didn't scale and and like this was still bootstrapped or you raised funds for that piece no we had uh, i think we had raised our series a funds uh, till this time so we raised seed capital from excel then we raised uh, then how did that happen like like you had no prior experience and like, like how did you get such good names so i think again i would probably call it an outcome of the genuine and natural passion that we showed towards this space and our ability to think it from first principle fail learn and do all of that and if i look back i can only find those reasons why someone would have invested in us but i think at that time in 2015 the startup ecosystem was starting to evolve it was that era where the liquidity was still in abundance and people were looking for ideas to fund so we got lucky in in terms of the timing as well and that's why we could connect with investors very fast of course being from i it helps you with the network and the connections so all of that happened pretty quickly and before we were launching the product i think we had met 20 odd investors and we had started building those connections and everything so luckily we went into an event organized by excel and the your story for the marketplaces and we had to pitch to few of the excel partners they liked our pitch we won the competition and the same day evening they called us to our office and asked us what you guys are up to i remember pitching to almost every partner of excel in on that day and the coming day and the next day they said that we want to offer you a seed round of funding and that's how things started so there was around 650k dollars close to 3 and 1/2 uh, crore that we raised at that time and uh, that at least made sure that we had more time to continue to sharpen our hypothesis and because of that only we could take time to then arrive at a customized good segment as this as the segment of operation and when we decided that we had no money so we had to raise another round of funding so in march 2016 we were able to bring in both excel and chirate to co-lead our series a round of funding uh, and uh, 
that was three million dollars so close to 18 19 19 crore at that time so yeah and then the struggles that i spoke about those started post series hey round of funding because that's when we started getting deeper and started getting very aggressive on the fulfillment led customer servicing model only to figure out one and a half years later that's not scaling and what were the metrics that you saw which told you it's not scaling was it like the repeat business was not there or was it that the margins were not there or what were the symptoms yeah i think the key symptoms was first the repeatability and the predictability of the business was not great so repeat cohorts from the customers didn't look great and more than that while we were all for customer delight customer experience and creating a an amazon type of aura in terms of how do you the service customers still our customers were not happy at all and then we were not able to figure out that how can we make these customers happy we are doing everything and the entire culture and the passion is towards delivering customer service but still it's not happening so i think that was the biggest indicator why were they not happy like basically you're saying nps score was not great like correct correct so we used to do a lot of nps survey and we figured out that our customers were not liking it uh, logically so because uh, what we had done there we had built a fulfillment led service model where we were getting material from let's say 100 or smes who anyways were very less predictable in their ability to commit to certain tags slas or timelines because the way they operated was absolutely manual no use of data and technology so we we couldn't improve their performance by coming in between because these were smes who are still operating the way they were operating before we just applied technology in terms of how well we can service the customer but we didn't apply any technology in terms of how can seller service us uh, or the customers better and that's what uh, led to no betterment of the service levels so your customer used to tell us yaar isse acha directly kaam kar leta khud hi le leta aap kya kar rahe ho yaar aapne bola tha do din mein saman doge aapne teen din laga diye when we know that the custom the supplier is going to give him material only in 10 days but the expectation that we built through the design of the model was that we will deliver in 2 days 3 days but most of the times we didn't have the material from the supplier and it didn't work out and that those yeah because your your sku's are not fixed like uh, for each customer there are custom sku's so uh, it's not like inventory led doesn't really work here absolutely i think you mentioned a very important point here because every sku for us was unique we can't we couldn't do that that you have got 95% fill rate of these sku's so now this sku i can't cannot send to any other customer because i need that sku of that customer to be able to service that and that's why it was not resulting into any potential customer delight also uh, and we realized that uh, we started realizing that and we started realizing that as a technology company where can we truly make a difference to better this uh, there was still we could observe the problems day after day and we were so committed that if there are so many problems there has to be a viable solution which really transforms this because the opportunity was very clear and then we started applying first principles in terms of understanding what we do which truly makes the difference to this broken supply chain or this absolutely manual ad hoc management of hundreds or 200 smes that one enterprise is working with and we figured out that the real transformation that we need to do is in enabling this sme to be able to supply better so helping with these smes and msmes with simple yet very powerful digital solutions so that they can perform better and if they perform better we are not even needed in between 
they can directly supply to the customer but they will need assistance support or digital interface which enables them to do that in a much better way so that's when the transition started happening to the, the desirable business model and what what we are known as today in terms of a full stack b2b trade enablement platform so we enable trade we today don't play any part in terms of discovering a supplier or discovering a manufacturer what we do we go to customers we understand from customers that customers uh, that you are currently working with is 100 smes but these 100 smes are all operating manually which is leading to a very poor supply chain efficiency for you for them and these are, everything is broken manual ad hoc and not helping any of those business so we tell them that we will bring all your existing 100 smes on bizongo's digital platform will help you digitize your engagement with them so we go to the customer by virtue of that we bring his 100 smes on bizongo's cloud platform and we digitize the way those smes operate and we digitize the engagement between this customer and these smes which results into great outcome in form of uh the supply chain efficiency the engagement transparency analytics uh, and a lot of other things uh which is a win win situation for both of these customers and suppliers so that's how the business has evolved and today we have a true cloud platform where we have got 500 enterprises more than 5000 smes who are digitized by us and these customers are managing these smes on our cloud platform and uh, we have automated a very large part of the entire supply chain and the ecosystem by virtue of that so tell me the uh, when you had the inventory led marketplace what was your product like a customer would upload some specifications of what he wants as a packaging material and then you would create that as an sku unit and then you would further go to maybe five or seven vendors and get quotes from them and like like tell me what was that product and then how did you change that product No, absolutely i think you were bang on that's what we were doing gathering customers requirement putting that into much more objective specifications and then organizing rfqs and bidding across several sellers who could service that and basis the best price and best sla commitment from the suppliers supplying it to the customers so that's what we were doing and from there to and you would place the order exactly what order you receive you place the same quantity only or you would place extra quantity or yeah mostly same quantities but because in inventory led model you get carried away with customers expectation and your ability to manage the supply chain there were instances where we basis customers promise we started yeah verbal commitment we started placing higher orders and that led to we having higher inventory which customer was later on not ready to buy because the customer himself didn't know how many quantities he may need and that's why the experience remain absolutely broken in that context plus packaging also is something where you might have seasonal changes there might be some special offer you want to print that on it and absolutely so those were the reasons why you know customers who promised that they will buy these products in 2x 3x 5x quantities 3 months later 
ended up coming back and saying that you know we have to do this design change and we can't pick up this inventory and we started learning that there is a problem in the way we are designed the the business model so tell me the product evolution then so from this product what did it evolve into that the saas offering which you converted it into hmm. so from being an alternative source of supply which we were becoming by the virtue of the inventory led model we quickly transitioned to a full stack trade enablement platform where we don't discover suppliers we don't discover prices we go to customers and we tell them that you bring your own suppliers on board on bizongo's platform and we will help you digitize all of that and alongside that we were able to create certain digital services which led to value addition to both sides of the marketplace in a very quick fashion so we first we started building supply chain financing as a service where when we but like before this value add the core product like just help me like just describe it in words like what would it be like customers would start creating sku's for each type of packaging they need and start uploading those designs and all of that and then run the what you were doing at the back end like you would exactly do an rfq and then vendors would bid and so so that process then it became like self service instead of you doing that service it became absolutely yeah so whatever we had built earlier in terms of over managing ourselves all those things we shifted all of that and made it customer facing where we tried to make it more and more self serve where we are not needed our role is building product building technology which is enabling this customer and these suppliers to manage themselves each other in a much more efficient way so that was the base platform we termed it as a base platform where we are saying that we'll just digitize everything that you do today which is manual ad hoc and broken so that was the base platform and so customers could run the rfq process release a purchase order and then the vendor can upload the invoice over there get the payment and even probably some logistics information also they can upload like some tracking number absolutely and all of those transformation which are going around gst e invoicing e waivers so the entire digitization which were which was anyways happening in the macro in the overall economy did help us a lot because those became very essential needs of the suppliers to carry out transactions and we had all of those ready made solutions where they could really digitize their transaction base within a week weeks time and we made it quite simple for them to do that and all of that started seeing great degree of adoption and the, the customer delight that we were always watching for and always wanted to see that and this was monetized this base offering so we were not able to monetize it from day 0 but once we made customers and suppliers experience it and once they started seeing the difference and the value that was able to create it became a sort of typical saas story that you offer them something for free for 15 days 30 days 60 days and when they really see it making difference to them you start monetizing it so we started monetizing base platform but at the same time then we started generating so so much data the monetization is on like what basis like is there a standard fixed pricing plan or it depends on how many seats or uh, like turnover of business or what like so we built simple models which were giving us an idea of the percent that the percentage platform fee that we should charge basis the turnover that they were doing on the platform so let's say if someone is buying 
100 crore worth of good the model would throw that we must charge then this percentage x percentage of that 100 crore for uses of this service and the model kept evolving taking into account various parameters for us too but we kept it simple it was always an x percentage of the turnover but the real monetization start kicking in when we were able to bring in such a large ecosystem on our digital platform started generating a lot of data insights and started learning observing those data patterns and behavior for example what we saw there that these customers who were buying goods from these smes they were paying them in 60 days 75 days 90 days and the ability of for that sme to survive for those 75 and 90 days after having invested in raw material machinery and other fixed cost was very limited and just by the virtue of uh, enabling a faster payment to that sme you can really actually transform the service levels that the sme can offer because today the problem is not in the intent of the sme to supply you he also wants to grow he also wants to do business he also wants to supply on time deliver customer delight but he hasn't got resources to buy raw material to buy to pay for salaries and then uh, wait for 75 days for the money to come for the next cycle so we identified that as a, a huge gap in and very fundamental gap in the way uh, this entire ecosystem operated if these smes didn't get money faster there was no way they could improve their service levels so we identified that as a very strong value addition and what we started building as a fintech platform we call it supply chain financing platform it's a, a scf platform where now we have plugged in 25 banks and nbfcs who see this transaction happening on bizongo's platform happening for months and years so we have built that transaction history and basis that those nbfcs and banks are able to provide faster capital so that the customers pay suppliers in 75 days through these banks and nbfcs we enable payments going to them within 15 days and done it at scale today close to 600 million dollar sort of supply chain financing we have enabled through the platform and that has led to the transformation that we were wanting to see in our early days where we could see fantastic adoption so by telling them that you will get money faster on this platform we could actually make them do things which they would otherwise absolutely deny in terms of the digital adoption and we started launching a lot of small pieces which made their engagement on the platform very truly digital and absolutely self serve so that helped us scale and because they knew that these guys are very true to their promise of making sure the money hits my account in 15 days they started adhering to all of those things and that led to a very beautiful digitization of the supply side and with that benefit coming in we saw drastic improvement in the service levels there were times when these suppliers were pushing us we have got the materials ready why the customer is not picking us from the scenario where customer was sitting on our heads and their heads to ask for the materials so we saw a drastic pleasant improvement in the way those smes started functioning and that created an environment where we could think of building more and more validated services so that they can be furthered and today what we have is a full stack so like i wanted to like get into a little bit more detail on the bill discounting that you are doing so what is like it, typically it works like this like the vendor will get maybe 95 96 97% of the bill value instead of the full bill value within 15 days instead of waiting for 75 days okay who does the underwriting for this like do you do underwriting and give it to banks and nbfcs or do you give them data and they do their own underwriting 
So today it's a mix of both depending upon what data points and which SME, what longevity with the platform, what transaction history we are looking at. At early stage uh, when, when there is a very credible customer there who is buying from certain SMEs where we are or like say PNG is buying. So For example, so the beauty of this model which, is, which we call it is a transaction-led trade enablement is that here you are not taking a, a credit call on the SME. You are not underwriting the SME. You are actually underwriting the receivables from a very credible enterprise. So what has happened here that today, why these SMEs don't get any financing from banks and NBFCs? Because they have, because in the current ecosystem, they have to take a credit call on that SME, which is impossible today in any shape and manner. But what we have done here, we have changed the credit profile of this SME by having that transaction history and that control of the entire transaction to receivables of a very credible enterprise. And that's that does the trick. And uh, we are eventually underwriting the receivables of the enterprise, which is much easier to do. And basis that we are able to scale the program. We are happy to underwrite in certain cases when the receivables of enterprise are highly credible, predictable and everything. We, are, we underwrite it. In a lot of cases now, banks and NBFCs, because of that vintage and transaction history and all they are seeing, they are also able to take those calls by the virtue of the receivables being of a very highly enterprise customer. This is like a 100% guaranteed that the payment will go or can there be a dispute on what has been supplied that the, the customer says, no, I'm not paying this because the quality was not right, for example. So that doesn't happen because in those 15 days, we get a, a confirmation from the customer that he has checked the quality and only post that confirmation from the customer, the payment is made out. In case there is a dispute that has to happen before the payment goes out. So we have kept that 15 days window for that. And again, we have digitized that part as well, where we have created this, what we call e-acceptance, where customer actually accepts the good and it comes as a confirmation in terms of an e-document to us, which truly reflects the acceptance, which can't be disputed at a later stage and doing it in a very scalable way, digital way. So yeah, I think that's also has helped us massively. Yeah, obviously for a bank, then they are purely funding, let's say PNG, instead of funding some small SME, got it, amazing, okay. Or in an otherwise scenario, there is no way for that bank to lend to that small SME or MSME. But now they can, and uh, that becomes a that becomes a huge sort of market access for even banks and NBFCs, where uh, they want to service that market, but today they don't have a way in which they can, and the platform gives them that access alongside very little risk and potential scalability. So we have seen banks and NBFCs who started from let's say ten crore are now disbursing close to 150-200 crore on the platform because of the cash flow. And what do you earn from this? Like there's some like percentage of the interest earning would be shared with you. Yeah, so another good part is that because this is again a transaction-led supply chain financing, the SME and the supplier also doesn't see it as a loan coming uh, to them. So it's not compared uh, with the classic lending solution where I'm getting money at 11%, 12%, 14%. It's a trade discount that I ask him. I'm helping you uh, this, with this faster payment. What sort of a trade discount you can give me? And then your uh, ability to extract value and margin enhance in a big way. We, we say it in life, it is a game of perception and optics in the way people think and behave. I think it gets truly demonstrated here. Just 
changing the setup and the behavior this becomes a win win situation for everyone and it still creates a much larger ability for us to continue to monetize and deliver that value in a consistent way does the customer provide a subsidy here to like say would a png provide a subsidy not really there, there is no reason for them to do that i am just comparing with typical bnpl where the like say if for example hero motors is offering a free emi then they are subsidizing that so that the customer buys more Uh, but that's not the case here right okay that's not the case here because when they do that on they're doing it on the final product where they have enough room in terms of the margin here we are talking about the input materials where their economics are like they won't pay even 0.01% higher if they have to manage it but the good part is that they are happy if they don't get any value out of it by purely by the fact that they have got 100 smes who are their suppliers we are not changing them so nobody is hurt sentimentally or in any other way they are digitized and those smes start getting fast payment and because of that their entire headache of managing slas quality input material and everything goes away and they have a full digitized absolutely transparent 100% trackable with great degree of transparency supply chain and their entire total cost of ownership what we call goes down heavily because of this entire digitization so they are quite happy bunch of people and they in fact become our ambassador now, of course they don't bring 100 smes on day 0 they bring 5 but they see the benefit and they become our ambassador to bring more and more suppliers on the platform so it starts organically so everything becomes very organic in nature we get our customers organically we get our suppliers organically we get nbfcs nfis our banks organically and then we see the entire self serve behavior again growing organically on the platform to make it a very capital efficient service model and very capital efficient stacks like organization and i truly uh, give it to that that because of this self serviceness uh, that we have been able to achieve we we are at a scale at a small scale yet a bit of profitable and uh, we have a very clear path in terms of how that profitability is going to only grow from here so you said in some cases you underwrite what is the implication when you are saying that you underwrite does it mean you take on risk of that or you just give a score here like what does that mean no we take the receivables risk in that case where the where what we are telling to the fi that the we are taking the guarantee of this money coming from this enterprise in this escrow account by this date and that is basis the transaction past transaction history the acceptance of goods all the documentation everything that we have there is no reason for that enterprise to not and hence fortunately we haven't seen any voluntary defaults or delays on that front so we stay very scientific in terms of how do we select a customer whom we can work with in this model so there is a lot of data science and intelligence which goes behind in terms of whether we should work with this customer or not and if we work what ex- maximum exposure that we can have so that we can continue to minimize those risk i think again the that risk management can continue to improve but we have a very strong data technology and intelligence layer now to be able to continuously improve and improvise on that front if you like to hear stories of founders then we have tons of great stories from entrepreneurs who have built billion dollar businesses just search for the founder thesis podcast on any audio streaming app like spotify gana apple podcasts and subscribe to the show and you would earn a better margin when you are giving a default guarantee basically 
like, like your earning share would be higher in that case. This would be same as what FLDG, like most fintechs have this FLDG. This is same as that only, like first loss default guarantee. Yeah. Okay, got it, got it. Okay. So now you told me that because there is so much value add to the SME suppliers of working on Bizon Go platform, you are able to influence them to adopt more digitization. Give me the SME side product so we've spoken of the customer side product like customer can share a requirement get quotation release a purchase order receive invoice and all of that for the vendor side what is the digitization on the products what all of their processes can they digitize which helps improve efficiency so in terms of the entire order lifecycle management it again starts from the very basics of that sku that the customer is buying now that comes to them in a very similar exact form that customer has defined it without any loss of information or there are so many changes which keeps happening sometimes your artwork you you mention about that your design got a little tweak changed it is lost on email threads otherwise but here you get a live input of the real sku that the customer wants to buy you can only manufacture that you can't manufacture anything else so that's the first piece then of course you get the purchase order on this platform only you can only accept the purchase order from here as you accept the purchase order it allows you it helps you build a production plan that if i am carrying this much inventory or if i am not carrying inventory this much i should produce in next 5 days this much i should produce in next 10 days basis that he produces then he can send that intimation that i produced let us let me know when i can ship or customer has the ability to tell ship on this day so he ships automatically his entire process of dispatch to delivery in terms of e invoicing e way bill transporter selection and tracking all of that is built on the platform so it makes it very smooth and easy for him to deliver a fantastic experience to customer so it's not us delivering an experience to customer it's that sme who is directly delivering that experience to the customer and alongside all of those things we have found like simple things like vendor managed inventory if there are sku's that the customer is going to repeat purchase from that sme we provide the entire inventory visibility from him so it becomes a classic just in time jit supply chain model of automobiles earlier which was unimaginable in the in the industry of customized goods now basis the inventory that the supplier is carrying customer can also plan it better in terms of their consumption and fulfillment and everything so it minimizes the inventory losses and all of that in the entire supply chain so the production planning sound very hard to achieve because there would be so much value of experience like an entrepreneur would know from experience that for making 1000 pieces i will for example need 100 kg of this and 5 kg of this and 7 kg of that but how did you digitize this production planning bit to predict how much inventory he needs and what he needs to order yeah so frankly in terms of the production plan you are absolutely right we haven't achieved great success in terms of it directly creating a, an impact in terms of inventory management but again what we have learned from the jit classic jit business model is that forget about production planning for a moment if you are maintaining a minimum level of inventory at your end you can produce whenever you want if you are ensuring a minimum let's say 5 days of inventory at your end for this product and sku at any given point of time you actually don't need a production planning and with an objective of maintaining a certain level of inventory we plan everything which is much more simplified than it needing a very sort of complex design on the production side so we make inventory levels as a target sort of thing 
and then the corresponding production plan is so simple that make these products by this date that's all it's not that you have to do a lot of over optimization there so it's a just it's a simplistic design of the supply chain with the key objective of maintaining minimum days of inventory leading to much higher efficiency and better so this this inventory is not the inventory of the finished sku but of the raw material that if you're saying like five days of inventory so five days of the finished goods oh five days of finished goods inventory okay so but this is supplier's own decision that okay i will keep extra i will produce extra or is it something which the customer gives some sort of information or there's like supplier's own decision that i will keep extra inventory it is supplier's decision but it is agreed with the customer that i want you to maintain if there is an sku that the customer tells that i am not going to continue to buy it you do not need to keep inventory i'll tell you when to produce and i'll wait for 15 days to get that but if it is something which i am going to continue to buy so like that classic parachute bottle that never changes that changes once in a decade so for those fast moving high volume sku's you are solving a very large part of the supply chain problem where you don't actually need any demand planning you don't need any production planning it just and continuous what we call it is an auto replenishment a classic jit auto replenishment which makes things much easy and simple for everyone so from the customer side you would have some integrations with their erps where you could do some of these can this be automated like placing the order based on what is getting produced based on that data from their erp the platform automatically tells the vendor that does all of this happen like it we have that ability but hasn't been utilized to to any extent i would say primarily because the currently the internal erp that the customers manages and how that is used to interact with the external supplier world those are absolutely disconnected so even in today's scenario the erp's role ends at generating the purchase order and whatever is the external linked supply chains which is which we call it as a vendor linked supply chains those are still absolutely manual and ad hoc so Our solution actually sits as a layer on top of the existing ERP, where still we haven't seen any need of it getting integrated to because they are anyways not talking today. There are anyways there are no systems or no processes built around that. We are assuming that in future, as things mature, those integrations will further help us bring in more automation, efficiency in the entire demand planning, replenishment, and everything. But I think that's still a probably few years away when we get to that. Okay, you were talking of adding on more features. Like, what are they now? Like, what have we not covered so far? We've covered bill discounting. We've covered the base platform. What else is there? So we have launched, for example, bidding as a platform. So earlier you understood very well that how did we try price and seller discovery, which was massively unscalable and didn't yield the desired result. Now we have again changed that in a more of a self-serve mode, where the customer now has the ability to organize bidding across his own suppliers so today customer has got 10 suppliers who can supply him the material but purely because the suppliers are all disconnected someone is interacting on whatsapp someone on email someone on phone today there is hardly any bidding which happens between the suppliers to discover the best price and that concept of the best supplier getting the the maximum business share doesn't get actually implemented in in the real world so we've enabled that on our platform the bidding platform allows them to digitally manage the entire price discovery process so it's more of an ariba type of an experience that we are trying to build there 
and tailor made for the customized goods so that a true price discovery can happen and there is a continuous benefit that the customer can extract and then suppliers also uh, get access to more and more demand so it becomes a classic true real marketplace where the demand is discovering supply supply is discovering demand and everything is growing organically so we have launched that just few months back this is open to all vendors on bizon go not so for example png has its 100 vendors or hul has its 100 vendors so these vendors can be discovered by other companies also right now not right now it is only helping you manage your own suppliers whom you work with or whom so you can add more and more suppliers but it is only helping you manage your existing supplier ecosystem what we are building now is uh, is an open marketplace where we will open the access of other customer suppliers as well after their consent to have that entire marketplace effect playing in form of supplier discovery as well so that is something which is work in progress and uh, we see as a huge potential value addition that we'll be able to do to this ecosystem so that's the second piece uh, around and which is like life coming full circle <laughs> like go- going back to the original idea amazing so that's price and seller discovery and the third piece which again is very close to our heart as as founder as a saas label management platform that we have launched it is called artwork flow and it enables uh, you as an enterprise to manage the entire asset library of your skus because you are talking about customized goods every sku has got its own unique characteristic in form of the text on the sku design on the sku colors regulation so many things which are again impossible to be managed manually the truth of the matter is that every everybody is trying to manage it manually we found that opportunity and we have built a very beautiful label management platform which 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 brings in a lot of advanced technology capabilities in order in, in terms of being able to read the artwork uh, the colors the fonts the errors the compliance with various regulatory frameworks and all of those things automatically and provides you a collaboration platform where you can manage the entire upstream journey of bringing an sku to the life and what do you mean by upstream journey sorry i don't understand that upstream journey as in like when, before you buy any sku you have to define the sku which is the colors font design text and everything related to that and those continue to change multiple stakeholders have to approve it like your yes your legal team your marketing team your finance team all of them have come on the same pace to approve that so that entire upstream approval workflow collaboration piece can now be carried out on our platform integrated with your entire supply chain so the moment everybody approves only then it moves into manufacturing and you would when you will probably search online there are so many cases of product recalls and label inventory going waste because the wrong artworks were printed they were not compliant they were not as per the desired kitchen and all of that so it brings a huge element of sustainability also into the kitchen where it takes the possibility of any such errors happening and bringing absolute automation in the end to end the true picture of a full stack solution gets realized as we have this integrated and the good part is that we have started getting now global customers we have enterprise customers from four different countries today using our artwork management platform and something that we see as a great tool for us to start imagining our global journey as an organization so does this also have like a canva like element in it where you can do the design part 
or is it primarily workflow right now not right now it is primarily workflow we are continuously working on product development and seeing how can we use existing tools to facilitate the creation of the artwork as well but right now i think our hands are full in terms of scaling the workflow and collaboration capabilities itself there are so many interesting things that we are able to do there so i imagine packaging label design would be pretty complex because like it's a three dimensional design that you're making and it may not just be straight it, it could be a circular design there could be all sorts of shapes of it and so so all of that can get clearly captured here like what are the angles what is the exact precise measurement where is what to be placed and so that there is absolute clarity for all stakeholders everyone clearly understands what will we get in the end we have a free demo tool also available online on cloud and you can play with artworks and you will see very surprising revelations in the way you can see and imagine an artwork and the various components of it so yeah great and what is this price tag So again, price price like a SaaS solution. It is basis the number of artworks that you manage and approve on the platform. So we made it a very attractive variable price. Basis purely basis consumption and uses, and our CSAT score for uh, the solution is beyond seventy eighty always. So the customers have truly liked. They have got more than ninety percent retention. continuous renewals and all the beautiful qualities of a true saas platform getting reflected in the solution so the plan is to double down on it and make it a one of the very powerful saas offering that we are able to create in this journey i read about an acquisition of a iot player that you did so is there some some feature that you are planning there so i think the point that you had mentioned earlier in terms of the production planning and how it is a very difficult concept to execute and create impact out of it but what we saw much more simplistic way if we are able to look at the operations of a factory on a digital screen replicated what we call what we term it as a digital twin so you create a sort of a digital twin of a factory where you observe the material flow process flow the machine running time energy consumption and all of these things and you find out those classic bottlenecks which if removed from the process by applying very simple logics algorithms and intelligence you can actually improve the production efficiency or the throughput of the factory or on a whole so rather than going into at a sku level if you apply it on a factory level and try to identify one or two or three things which can improve the efficiency of your manufacturing process that is a much larger impact in terms of the entire manufacturing planning and it's not that it's not done so the acquisition that we did these guys were building these solutions for the likes of maruti and bosch in an advanced manufacturing setup so we are trying to bring that same technology for our smes and msmes where we can bring in very simple tools for them to better their manufacturing output so that's the acquisition for again in the pursuit of really bringing digital transformation in the sme manufacturing ecosystem it's a bit it's going to be definitely time taking and it's going to be a bit medium to long term but it aligns with our dream and aspiration of truly making every factory in india cloud factory where a guy even sitting in north america who wants to buy let's say an enterprise customer who wants to buy gucci jeans from an indian manufacturer he can see everything live from there and a true cloud factory infrastructure is produced from india 
So yeah, again, a, a larger long-term dream, but I think right time for us to start investing in, in, into that. Will it be machine learning that there'll be cameras which will let you measure what is the raw material getting consumed and then there'll be some devices measuring electricity consumption and so it's primarily iot enabled so there are hardware sensors who can track the moment of material inventory and other things in the warehouse and they can speak to the machine because most of these machines today come with that capability of giving a data output which can be read through a software or a hardware solution. So bringing all those data inputs from the machine and capturing the key moments through IoT-enabled infrastructure in the factory, you are able to devise those outputs. And again, the very fact that these today there is no science or intelligence that goes in the way that those SMEs today manufacture. Even a very small tweak results into a massive impact which comes into the setup. So if you can affect the manufacturing efficiency of a Maruti or Bosch who are super advanced in the way they carry out manufacturing, bringing the similar technology to these SMEs, we believe we can create a much larger impact much wide-based and much more empowering for, for these manufacturers. So yeah, that's how we're thinking about it. Yeah. What else? What other parts of the business that we have not discussed so far? I think a lot of this comes from people and the team that we have built and how we have built an environment which is full of trust, transparency, ethics, governance, radical kind of what we fondly call it, where it's just a team of 260 people at this scale. That's why we are so capital efficient. And what is the scale? Like, help me understand what is your turnover per employee or what is your total turnover today? Like, So this month, we'll end up touching close to $800 million on annualized revenue. So it will be close to $3.4 million per person, which is quite high. Yeah, so... And then uh, how do you measure turnover? Are you measuring the turnover on the base platform that you're uh, from your customers? Uh... The value of goods. Yeah, the value of goods transacted because everything flows through us. It's a transaction-led uh, trade enablement platform. No? Th- this number is actually the GMV number. Like It is not the revenue per se. It is revenue because in accounting terms, it gets invoiced through us. Supplier invoices us. We invoice customer in a transaction-led model. So from an accounting stand- standpoint... You're offering it as a SaaS, right? So it's like a combination. It's a transaction-led Okay, it's a combination of SaaS and e-commerce here. So the delivery of the services is SaaS-like, but still at the heart of it, it's a transaction-led model to provide it the necessary components for building that SaaS. So that's how we look at it. So when you are charging the customer for the platform, is it through a markup on the invoice? Like you mark up the vendor invoice to recover your platform fees or it's a fixed annual like... Like for artwork flow, the way we charge, it's basis the number of artworks. For bidding, uh, we intend to charge basis number of bids that you can you are carrying out. So again, we have made it very modular and consumption basis, so that there is little sort of friction in adopting or trying it. And again, typical the this would also mean that this is a postpaid SaaS, not a prepaid SaaS. Most SaaS uh, SaaS tools are prepaid, right? Where you charge in advance. This is more like a postpaid. Because you you will charge based on consumption. So which means that at the end of the month, based on how much consumption has happened in the month, you will raise an invoice. Yeah, but there are like, uh, there are price models built, which tell you that if you, let's say, approve up to 500 artworks, this much uh, it will cost you. And there is a base price. So it is designed in again, SaaS-like with certain buckets. And if you cross those, of course, there is an additional charge. But 
again from that perspective i would call it a prepaid model only because there's a pricing which is clear to the customer and starts paying before he uses okay okay the base price is paid up front and if they cross a certain threshold then you got it and but what is your earning like are you at liberty to share that like in terms of your earning would one be the saas subscription fees and second would be what you earn through interest sharing from nbfcs so so what is that number like so all of that today amounts to close to 4% as net margin that we are able to make on the value of goods and that su- suffices for all the cost and expenses that we have and basis that we are able to make close to 1% a bit on a, on the business at this scale and still growing at a, at least a 10% month on month scale to be able to truly benefit from this self serve model and bring in capital efficiency and scale at the same time like 10% month on month growth is driven by acquisition of more customers or is it driven by existing customers increasing the transactions that happen through the platform like what is the growth strategy it's a very beautiful blend of both because the market size and the market opportunity is so big we are at a 700 million dollar but by the market is at least a 300 billion dollar market that Uh, we we have the ability to capture so from that perspective it's us who is saying no to the business today <laughs> where we are limiting the growth but all our existing customers as well as the new customer in pipeline are wanting to transact more and more why are you saying no is it that there are some kind of customers you don't want to touch yet or correct correct yeah so okay what is that like is it based on the product type like certain product categories you don't want to do right now or not really i think it's primarily driven through the entire risk assessment that we do because at the end we are taking some risk on the receivables or the customer and we want to be very prudent and very scientific in terms of so we today we analyze close to 50 data points from the customer and then we analyze another 30 30 data points on the sme before taking a call that whether this transaction is should be funded or not so again just want to be more and more careful prudent scientific and disciplined about this because if we are able to have a very strong foundation built around this we will secure our future in terms of how we will scale it because we know that the market opportunity is very big so important for us to be armed with all possible potential solutions and risk mitigation efforts so that we can truly capture and realize that what what is the there i see a couple of ways in which you can expand or diversify one could be for example you could get your own nbfc license is that something which you have in mind so again we believe in the power of platform and a power of technology bringing a lot of ecosystem players on the platform india today have 1000 nbfcs and we believe that we can bring those 1000 nbfcs on this platform to service a market which is very large and still yet absolutely un- unserviced so we believe in that sort of an approach and that's what we'll keep building towards and that makes the that enhances our ability to go global as well because as a fintech platform you can do that where you the nbfc can be based out of indonesia singapore thailand malaysia bangladesh anywhere that we can just plug and play while if we try to do that we are constrained by a lot of regulations and a lot of other things which will eventually limit our scalability and not make us a true tech platform so Yeah I think that's how we think about it the other expansion or like diversification you could do is uh, getting into regular consumables not the custom built consumables because if that customer is already his purchase team is using you for one kind of purchase then they could use you for the other kind of purchase also so is that something you 
plan to do? So that's actually naturally have started to happen. And in fact, it's transpiring in a way where if they are buying anything from an SME or MSME, where their their own effort on managing the SME and bringing make, getting the best out of the SME is very limited, is something that they are wanting to bring on the platform. So that's why today we are doing packaging, which is 40 to 45% of the all the revenue base. We launched textile and apparel two years back. That is already constituting forty percent. Then there are what is the uh, this is like uh, textile which is purchased by uh, like say uh, Van Hussein buying textile to make jeans. Okay, and in fact Van Hussein when he gets that jeans, he gets it contract manufactured. So he managing his contract manufacture of jeans on Bajongo's platform. So that alongside food and FMCG inputs, we have started uh, getting into those. And again, all of these are net. Give me an example, like in food and FMCG. Like uh, you will be purchasing specially ingredients in some cases as a food company, pulp, and anything which goes as an input material in making of your finished good. So all of that can be, is again, primarily coming from SMEs and can be digitized by using the same platform. So wherever we are seeing anything outside of commodity, which is very large buy that they are making there is hardly one or two suppliers who are involved there they don't they don't currently need any anything additional to manage that but everything else is something that we anticipate coming to the platform and getting digitized becoming like a moglix or having that as one of the offerings like moglix does like where they can businesses can place orders for very standard SKUs. No, that's why the entire branded finished goods play, as I had mentioned, that's a very different supply chain because it has got distributors, wholesalers, traders, retailers, and all of them involved. And our broad assumption and basic hypothesis is that 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 has to be serviced through an inventory-led model. And that's what Amazon business has done globally disrupting most of such businesses so you have to compete with amazon eventually to really succeed in that inventory led game and that's why not something that we you know we dare to do uh, are keeping away uh, us from that side of a service model basically anything which an sme is manufacturing you want that transaction to happen through bison go and later on expand into exports uh, because there is a huge export capability in packaging textile specialty chemicals all of these are manufacturing sme uh, in terms of manufacturing and then in future having a sort of an upstream integration as well where we can enable these smes to digitize their upstream supply chain as well so those are the few what, what do you mean by upstream supply chain here so in, in the example that we spoke, Vanusen buying jeans from their contract manufacturer, that SME then has to buy fabric or yarn from a raw material supplier, which also is quite broken today as an experience and which results into true price efficiency if you are able to help the SME do that more scientifically. So we are bringing raw material intelligence, raw material price tracking, and again, digitizing that entire part as well and connecting it with the with the downstream transaction to build what we truly call as a full stack multi-stack supply chain solution today it doesn't exist anywhere in the world if you're buying the finished good what fabric it is made of and how that is flowing through the supply chain giving that com- complete tracking on one single cloud platform is what we eventually wish to build for and you, you can imagine the so many things that that we have plans of doing and that's what keeps us away tell me the plan on the export side w- would you do the same like tell a company buying from india like say ikea sources from india for the global supply chain so you, you tell ikea that get your vendors here or would you tell ikea that 
we will find you vendors L- like what is the approach no the again the former one where she tell that we will digitize your supply base and maybe not just in india and southeast asia and uh, we are seeing those global macro shifts where these sourcing are shifting from china and russia to southeast asia and south asia so we see us becoming a global trade environment platform where the entire southeast asia and south asia suppliers are there and a lot of these customers from us europe middle east are managing them uh, through bizongo's cloud platform do you also see selling other products to smes like say insurance or like you know maybe say an erp product for smes where they can manage their bookkeeping their payroll and all of those like you have these profit book and quick book and all of these and so, so do you see yourself getting into all of those areas also so yeah i've formed a small team in bizongo where we are starting to work on a what we are terming it as a digital app store for SMEs where you know anything which can be digitally be serviced to these SMEs for their business needs either we'll probably build few of those ourselves but largely a marketplace where we can bring in the best of class app to them at a, at a reasonable rate so that they can digitize their business so we are starting to imagine it early days but yeah something which is interesting so tell me about learning to manage a large team you were pretty young i guess you must have been 23 something like that when you started off bizongo how did you learn to manage people you have 250 odd people today so tell me about this learning like building teams growing an organization managing people aligning people No, I think uh, those learnings also, frankly, came in, in, an, in a hard way, uh, I would say, where we had our own share of failures, while all three of us as founders were very sensitive about the kind of culture that we built, and we had a lot of focus on the same. In our early two, three years, we realized that, again, in spite of all of those efforts and uh, outlooks, we were not being super successful at that. And, and, and that was the time. In what way? Like, w- what were the things you were seeing that were going wrong? again i think the measure the best measure for us was employee nps and that was okay you were measuring that okay yeah and that was not looking good and it took us time to identify that what where we are going wrong and that was a time when uh, all three of us started opting for an executive coaching program so we went through an executive coaching my coach happens to be the ex md of piramal enterprises and i think we all three can very proudly say that really changed transformed the way we started looking at being a true leader versus being a passionate entrepreneur who is trying to drive everything through passion but not a lot of leadership trades so i think those things really helped us identify what really makes it for building a culture where you can bring the best out of the people and as i said as i had previously said i think the key learnings were that we have to be super transparent radically candid brutally honest in each of our conversation with our people on a large forum in one on in one on ones in a small forum be vulnerable and give them an environment that they can blindly trust now we saw the magic unfold where people started achieving what we earlier were thought was not even possible so we started breaching our targets we started overachieving beyond our imaginations and ambitions and but again my personal learning is that it is something that it is not something that is built and will be surviving forever every day you have to practice as an organization you have to set up those examples you have to really make that as a as a pulse of the organization where everyone does that on a continuous basis to keep that culture alive which is not easy and but we believe we are building that environment we are creating 
those leaders who are behaving starting to behave in this way and if you are able to continue doing that nothing is unachievable this is what i truly believe so this is the first time i'm hearing a startup founder talk about getting an executive coach which is like such a refreshing thing to hear most founders believe themselves to be like extremely talented and so on and so the, but what made you feel that you need executive coaching was it like prompted by the vcs who invested in you they suggested or like you started seeing things going wrong and you thought i need an expert to help me or like yeah i think it it was a combination of both it really appreciate the efforts of early stage investors like excel chirate and the corresponding people who have been working with us they have been true supporter of entrepreneurship and have always been trying to find a solution alongside us so it was actually combination of uh, both of that they such telling us that something like this exist and again i had previously shared that i think as founders we one thing that we really admire about ourselves honest to ourselves is self aware and we are honest and if something is not going uh, our way we tell each other that this is what is not going right and we try to find solution which can make us better and because our uh, uh, enps score was not looking up we told ourselves that we must be making we must be doing something wrong as founders not being able to do that and now we have a very sort of a coaching culture where all the first time managers and other leaders uh, we are continuously enrolling them into coaching program and we've seen the people getting transformed in form of how do they lead people and that's truly satisfying and outside of the business impact also as you see young people entrepreneurs passionate getting transformed into people leaders uh, you feel great about it what is your management style do you focus a lot on performance and achieving goals or do you do a lot of delegation or how do you make sure that there is alignment of like in terms of achieving what needs to be achieved and yet maintaining a high employee nps so i believe in a very hands off an approach and then when i think it fundamentally I, i like the framework of why what and how and i believe that if you make the why very clear to people that why we are wanting to do something that we are wanting to do and what we really want to achieve out of it as a leader your responsibility is to have alignment on that and have alignment in a form where you have truly heard everyone you have been absolutely candid about your uh, why and your what those clearly defined hearing from people in terms of their inputs and in fact let them only define what once they've understood the why i think my job is to just align people on why share my why and have that bring that alignment then let people define their why what and then we see how automatically getting executed that's what i would probably describe how i have started operating as a leader it's, do you have like annual goal setting performance review based on goals achieved and so so all those hard measures of performance management are in place yeah yeah i think i believe again in the event of absolute trust and transparency that's that's needed and uh, having a consistent communication with the person in terms of what's going what's not going right only helps build that environment of trust where something is not going the person must feel that you are standing with him in those tough times you have he has your back and full support where he can just get over it and start creating impact so the performance management system is essentially a tool to ensure communication it's not like a tool to reward slash penalize but it's just to ensure communication is happening on communication yeah okay and feedback is going okay amazing amazing okay and just make the other person 
feel absolutely psychologically secure that he, he can confide in you he can share anything and everything with you and he has your back i think if you provide him that environment in 99% cases we have seen his own ability his or her own ability to get out of any problems and situations and emerge as a is, is truly realized okay okay and tell me about the funding so you raised 3 million series a uh, and then a subsequent to that yes yeah, so subsequent to that 2016 you raised that series a right from axel and chirate yeah then we raised a series b round of funding from b capital and ifc who led the the next round that was i think in 2017 that was close to 15 million dollar so we raised 15 million dollar in series b then uh, 2018 19 we raised series c that was close to 45 million dollar where we had shorter advacus alternative investment firm coming and leading the round and the last round uh, which happened last year we raised 110 million dollar led by tiger there and had cdc and ifc amc coming as new investors on board in that journey uh, have you gone global beyond that one artwork management product for the other products have you started going global like for the base platform not yet not yet okay but that's like in the road map for uh, how soon like uh so i think we are observing how customers are adopting the artwork flow platform because that's a true saas offering and that's what is received very well in, in the larger or developed markets at least so we are seeing basis that how we can maybe try with bidding platform which is also a pure saas offering so we have not yet decided whether transaction led model is the way to go for the overseas markets so we are first we will try with all saas offering in global market and see how those are getting received and maybe by that time have a an absolute marketplace version of the platform where we don't need to be part of the transaction and even the base platform can also be offered as a saas offering so we want to just test and validate that hypothesis before we take it in that way probably for countries like bangladesh sri lanka nepal you could just directly uh, offer what you're doing in india like without much modification absolutely so i think for enabling domestic trade in any of these geographies even the likes of indonesia malaysia thailand emerging vietnam all of these emerging markets that should be very much doable but our i or eyes are more on enabling cross border trade trade enablement where smes in india can supply outside again being more passionate about transforming indian business ecosystem and how we can ट्रांसफॉर्मिंग